in different perspectives and to understand real issues, choose NPR as your go-to source for election news. 2020 election, it's time to listen. Your NPR station, Radio Catskill. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bill, and today on Bodhi Talk, I'd like to focus on the theme of a song written back in 1955 by... Jill Jackson Miller and Cy Miller, and this is a song that has been recorded by many people. It became really popular back in the, as I recall, back in the 70s, and it's been played off and on since then. It's, Let There Be Peace on Earth, and Let It Begin With Me. I won't sing it for you, but I'm, I'm sure that most of you out there listening have... Uh, a memory of hearing this song because it was played on so many occasions at different times, as they say, by many different artists. And the theme of that is what I'd really like to uh, just sort of delve into. Uh, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I think we all really yearn for that kind of quality of our living experience that is... Uh, well, basically happiness, uh, there's a peacefulness and um, a contentment. And um, this is something that, as I've said many times, uh, waking up is hard to do, and it, it requires a, a good deal of work. And so what it is that uh, we're looking at now is a world that's anything but peaceful. I don't need to go into the details, just looking around and seeing... So much animosity, uh, polarization, and uh, contrariness uh, everywhere you look. And the question is, how, not why. I always, people always say, but why is this? Why is that? And I, I like to redirect that to how. So how are we to cultivate a state of peacefulness within ourselves? And that's really the key here is, uh, again, not looking externally, but internally. And to get a sense of what that would look like, if we were indeed coming from a state of peace, we wouldn't be so quick to perceive other as enemy and retaliate, uh, having perceived an attack to counterattack. And, and again, if you look around, you, you can see how that general tone is what is dominating. So turning inward and looking at our own thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes, and coming to terms with how we ourselves are projecting outward what we probably don't really even want to acknowledge that's going on within us all the resistance to what's happening, uh, if we take an, a good, clear, honest look at what it is that 
we're believing deep down beneath the surface, we'll see that we're sort of denying that and projecting it outward with a, a sense of relief that, okay, now it's out there. I don't have to own it. I don't have to come to terms with all this stuff that's within me. And it's very easy to find an individual or a group that portray these uh, thoughts of whatever nasty kinds of uh, uh, wrongness that we perceive. Uh, again, within ourselves, it, it's easy to find that outward, outwardly. Um, and, you know, much of what I'm coming from is uh, a reflection of what's expressed in A Course in Miracles. And one concept, one, I would say, a factual uh, statement is that projection makes perception. And by that, the Course is indicating that what it is that we're perceiving outward, what we're experiencing in the world, is really a projection of what's going on within our own mind and heart. And the beauty of that is that if I don't like what's going on out there, then I need to look at what it is that I'm experiencing within myself and to really come to terms with that. Like the wrongness out there is really something I'm, I'm reacting to so strongly because it's something that I am struggling with within myself. And again, this this takes, like I say, it's a lot of work to really come to the point where we can even acknowledge that. Um, but again, what it looks like uh, when people are in this peaceful state is that there's a kind of equanimity, a kind of balance within the way they move, the way they talk, the way they express their, themselves. And to understand that that state of peace is coming from deep within, and it's, it's kind of like... Uh, Oh, the balance uh, that we can achieve uh, only when we've sort of el eliminated all of the, the hatefulness and the judging, condemning within our own mind. And so that projection makes perception. Uh, another concept, uh, actually this is, there's a few lessons in the uh, the workbook, which is the sort of a, a training uh, model for all of us who want to find this inner peace in A Course in Miracles. It's 365 lessons. And in those initial lessons, there's a few lessons that really stand out. We're never upset for the reasons we think. And if we really look at that, uh, if we look at what, what it is we're upset about, um, we we find that on the surface, there's a rationality to that. Um, and again, in the ego way of looking at things, which is very fear-based, uh, we're always able to justify our condemnation of others very quickly uh, because of that fear-based attack-counterattack mindset that we get stuck into. Um, but when we are able to recognize that what we're really upset about is something much different. We, we want to be at peace. We want to experience love and oneness. And when we're projecting outward what it is that we've failed to come to terms with internally, then we're going to find all kinds of excuses for our upset and blame it externally.
And and again, that that's not something that we can just like right now uh, just hearing about this and saying, well, that that makes sense. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're making that shift. It, it takes time, practice over a period of, uh, well, a long time. Um, but to understand also another lesson in the workbook is I can see peace instead of this. And that's the the essence of what we're talking about here. It doesn't matter what it is that's happening externally to us. Um it's how we frame the picture that makes makes us upset or or happy about what it is that's happening. And if I look at what's happening as again the metaphors that we're drawing from are the battleground versus the classroom. And what we're cultivating is living more so in this classroom perspective where we're finding a shared interest that what it is that all of us, each of us, are attempting to cultivate in our lives is a sense of inner peace and happiness. And what it is that we're needing to do is sort of train our mind to recognize that um, there's a peaceful way of looking at any given situation. Um, rather than seeing somebody as an enemy, for example, uh, if I look a little more deeply, I can see that they're simply doing the best they can with what they've been given. It may well be wrong-minded and it needs to be corrected, but they're not an enemy, they're not evildoers, they're not someone that I need to demonize, uh, which is a very unpeaceful way of looking at things. If I just look at it from... Uh, a deeper level of understanding from a loving perspective, then I can find a, re a loving way to respond to them rather than that antagonistic way of you're the enemy. And so, but uh, we need to look at how our elected officials are a reflection of the consciousness of the people. Um, who we elect to office uh I mean, if we look at the, the dominant paradigm, when it's this fear-based perspective, we're going to attract to those who are uh, sharing our perspective. And if they see enemies everywhere, just as we see enemies everywhere, we're going to vote for them. And what we need to recognize is, that, again, what does it look like when somebody is coming from peace? They're not going to be in that antagonistic, fear-mongering um, perception of they've attacked, they're wrong, so I need to counterattack because I'm right. Uh, there's a phrase uh, or a question. Would you rather be right or happy? And that may be simple to answer. I, I, I'm right, uh, and I'm happy when I'm right. Uh, but the fact is, if I'm right, then you're wrong, and there's a conflict between us, and that gets into a, a bit of a quagmire, uh, a mess. So as we change our mindset, as we change the way we look at the world, and we begin to reflect a more loving perspective, uh, and as this becomes more of the dominant paradigm for, for all of us as we share this perspective, our leadership will change. It will reflect that because we will vote for those. How of this evolution of consciousness is key and what it is that 
we're talking about in these Bodhi talks is essentially waking up. And I know it's kind of early in the morning, and uh, some of you may not be uh, really tuning in totally to uh, this discussion, uh, and that's okay. Um, and one thing I would point out is that these are archived, and you can tune in at a later time to reflect on uh, the whole picture of what's being presented. If you maybe uh, miss some points or you want to go back and uh, focus on some of the points that were intriguing, but you need to think a little bit more about them. Um, so again, it, we're talking about an evolution in consciousness. We're talking about a, a shifting in our perspective. And I'm just going to uh, just point out that you're listening to Bodhi Talk on WJFF, and I'm your host, Doug Bill. And today I'm talking about the musical theme, Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me. And again, this is the the intention here, is that we're cultivating a way of being that is grounded in basically love, truth, and uh, leading to a, a state of peacefulness and sort of uh, framing the picture of our life, not as an us versus them, like that battleground that I keep referring to, uh, but we're shifting into a belief system that is more about we're all brothers and sisters together learning how to find peace. And if we recognize that this is really something that if we understand what each of us really wants, uh, it, it's pretty universal. Uh, we all want to be at peace. We want happiness. We want our basic needs to be attended to. And uh, when we are living in this battleground uh, mindset, the, the fear that dominates us, that, that sense that I'm this very vulnerable physical being, not a spiritual being that has an eternal nature that can never be destroyed or diminished, uh, but I have this extraordinary humanness that is uh, a vehicle through which I'm traveling through this lifetime in this classroom perspective and... This is how we can cultivate this understanding that we all want this same essential uh, experience of happiness, and we're not at odds with each other if, if we just uh, remember that. Um, so we do need to acknowledge the wrong-minded thinking as it happens uh, when there's uh, dysfunctional behavior, when there's disruptive actions and uh, stuff going on out there, uh, we don't say, well, they're just like me, they're a, a child of God, and uh, uh, I'm not going to condemn them. Uh, well, that's true, but we don't want to condemn, but we do want to move into that part of our mind that's able to think critically, to discriminate between what's, what's loving and what's uh, hateful. And uh, well, I've I've worked as a therapist in a family-based uh, in-home services program, uh, and uh, I've also worked in the children's department, a uh, counseling center, and so I've worked a lot with families and with helping parents uh, sort of shape their kids into happier, more functional 
beings. And one of the guidelines that I find to be so helpful is to draw from that statement of imposing logical, natural consequences to behavior. Always remembering that this this child is someone that I love and want the best for. And when this child is doing things that are uh, wrong, it can be very hurtful and damaging to uh, people's feelings or property or what have you. Uh, I always remember, I love this kid. Uh, I don't want to punish him, but I want to redirect him. I want to find a way to impose a consequence that will help her or him understand that if this is the way you behave, then you're basically going to lose this freedom to do this. And But if you're responsible and loving and caring, then there's going to be more of what you want and need in this life that we're having here. So that's that's the key, is to uh, recognize that, okay, uh, this could apply to an elected official. If they're carrying on in a manner that is not in alignment with uh, truth and with uh, peaceful measures and coming from a loving perspective, then we need to address that. And, uh, well, voting is a way to put them out of office. And, of course, there's many other things. But uh, to um, raise an alarm to say, okay, well, this is not okay. We need to find another way to deal with this particular crisis or this particular issue and let your voice be heard. This is about being proactively engaged in the world uh, consistently. And again, remembering natural logical consequences uh, need to be imposed when there's wrongdoing, but never to condemn and villainize a person because uh, that just stirs up more of the reactivity and we just go deeper and deeper into a real mess. Uh, so think of a loving teacher in a classroom where, uh, let's say, I don't know, second, third grade, there's some basic math being presented, and um, a student, uh, after the teacher has presented all this information, uh, asks the, the teacher asks the student, well, what what is 7 plus 7? And the kid uh, just comes up with 77. And the teacher might say, well, that, that's very interesting. You've put those two numbers together side by side, and that is 77. But when we're talking about addition, we want to come to uh, a sum of 14. So let's just look at that. And so again, we don't hear that teacher saying, oh, you're such an idiot. You get back into the corner and put on that dunce cap and uh, I'm going to have to fail you for this class. Uh, no, it's it's about lovingly attending to how the kid is just uh, maybe being a little more creative than <laughs> you thought he could be. Uh, 77 is an interesting answer, but it's not the answer that we're looking for, so we guide that child to an understanding of how it is meant to be. And that's the sort of tone that we want to cultivate. Uh, again, as we're uh, reframing our life as a classroom in which love and truth and uh, that love and truth is what guides us to always respond with love, not reacting out of a fearful attack, counterattack mindset. Uh, 
Now, the old way of framing our life as a battleground in which fear has guided us has has really been like quicksand, just taking us deeper and deeper into despair and misery. And when we look around, we, we see all too much of that having been the way our uh, uh, well, our general way of experiencing life. Uh, uh, and I, I've pointed out, my perspective at least, that we've had this dominant uh, paradigm, this way of viewing the world as if it were a battleground governed by fear for eons, really. Uh, and we need to <clears throat> recognize that, uh, well, our, our planet is uh, facing an existential crisis. Uh, climate change, uh, however we define it, uh, as to its cause or, or or what, but there are significant things that are happening w- globally that result in our being in a an existential crisis. We we're really at the point where we're approaching our own uh, well our ending uh, of life as we know it. Um, now, over the last few weeks, I've discussed this, uh, what I refer to as a triple pandemic. There's the COVID-19 that is really just uh, creating such a challenge for all of us uh, across the globe. Uh, and then there's the systemic racism. Again, there's a great deal of controversy as to whether that's real or what. But, uh, I mean, that the whole concept of that is an indication that we're not really yet as a culture able to appreciate what's going on within each of our individual groupings, whether it's a race or a religious or sexual orientation uh, connotation or or what. But uh, then, of course, the climate change is uh, something that is very much an existential crisis, and we, we need to recognize that the polarized way that so many people are addressing these concerns, that needs to shift to a way that is grounded in truth and, yes, science. And most importantly, though, uh, coming from love. And that's what it is that uh, is, it's like the sun. Uh, the sun in its brilliance is always bright and has a, a power and a force that is always there. It, it may be the the darkest of dark days with clouds that are stormy and dismal, and yet the sun is always there, just as bright. And the in this sense, the, the metaphor of the clouds re- represents the distorted thinking, the fear-based thinking, the uh, the polarization and the, the condemning nature. Uh, we need to... Find a way to uh, bring this peace into the world, and it begins with me, each of us. And cultivating the mindfulness of our shared oneness is really what this process is all about. It's uh, the work that uh, we need to delve into. The peace we all yearn for begins with each of us. So the the process, as I've gone through many times, uh, what I call the uh, namaste booster at this part, 
We've got uh, Raphael playing in the background here. I'd like you to just become present, aware of where you are in time and space. And if you're able to find a, a restful place to sit, wonderful. But if you do have some activities to engage in, you can continue to just allow this mindfulness to spread through you and to engage very skillfully in whatever it is that you need to do. And allow the breath to guide you, flowing easily, in and out, just a rhythmic flow of your breath. And it might help exhaling as much air as you can until there's a gentle stretch with that maximum exhalation. And then allow your lungs to fill very deeply, breathing in as much air as you can until you again feel a bit of a stretch. And you might want to hold that breath for a few moments, holding, holding, and then exhaling again, slowly, sort of squeezing breath out of your lungs that point of stretch, and then filling again, inhaling deeper and deeper, and holding a few moments, and then one more time, exhaling, breathing out all the air, again to the point of stretch. And then just allow yourself to just resume this rhythmic flow of breath to just be a kind of constant. Now one thing I'd like to add to this, I've done this in past Bodhi Talks, to introduce the mantra, So Hum. If you can integrate the sound, So, with each inhalation and the sound, Hum, with each exhalation, just hear that. Breathing in, so, exhaling, hum. And if you understand that the intention behind that sound, so, hum, is to understand that I am this spiritual being, this, not this very vulnerable human physical being, this, which will be a very fearful kind of mindset if I believe that's who I am. But if I understand that I'm eternal spirit, love, truth, then I can sort of rise above all that's happening in the world. And that's what I'd like you to just begin doing. Just as you hear that so on the inhalation, hum on the exhalation, just allow that breath to flow as you just let go of all the tension, not only within your body, but in your concerns about the past and the future. And just begin witnessing, observing without evaluating, judging as good, bad, right, wrong, whatever it is that comes into your mind. And then just be aware of how you're shaping, what, how are you framing the picture of whatever memories, thoughts, impressions that come into your awareness, and how there's another way that you might cultivate, rather than that fear-based reactive mind, to view whatever it is that you're witnessing 
from a more loving perspective. And just allow that sound of the breath, so hum, to guide you. And you can return to this throughout the day, every now and then, just hearing your breath, so hum. And now, as you just return to the awareness of where you are again in time and space, just take a sort of mental note as to what you experienced and Perhaps you may resolve to practice this now and then throughout the day. So, again, practice is the key here, and that's the how. So I'd like to thank Jay Merrill for the Bodhi Talk theme music and Thane Peterson for helping me learn how to do this recording of this program. And I would especially like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening and for supporting public radio. Remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. I'm Frank Dominguez. Join me each week on Concierto for a celebration of the Latin contribution to classical music. This week, listen to a sample of the Mexican waltz tradition played by Cuarteto Latinoamericano and the 20th century Spanish composer Joaquin Rodrigo's suite based on music by the 18th century priest Antonio Soler. Hear it in English and in Spanish this week on Concierto. Sunday night at 10 on Radio Catskill. You're listening to Radio Catskill, celebrating 30 years of public radio.